you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Hey, everybody, if you ever are at a railway crossing and those signals are flashing and you don't see the train and you're thinking to yourself, oh, I'm running a little bit late, got to get to work. The boss man's going to get on my old, you know, he's going to get mad at me. He's going to get on my case. Maybe I'll go through the crossing. Uh-uh, bad idea. You know, I think about this in 2018 alone, 270 people were killed at railroad crossings. 270. Stop. Trains can't. The Around the NFL podcast has never rubbed another man's rhubarb. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined in a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. Hey. Not that there's anything wrong with rubbing rhubarb. Please, no more rhubarb. I'm begging you. I don't like to mute anything on Twitter, but I have. We're getting close. If rhubarb continues to show up in my mentions, and I love our overseas listeners, and you know they like to teach us about their culture, I just I don't have the interest in rhubarb. It's not a thing for me. Hmm. It's like we were talking before the show, Ricky Hollywood behind the glass. Uh, early 90s alternative rock came up. We were talking about Soul Asylum and the song <laughs> Runaway Train and whether it's good or if it holds up and all that. Ricky, you you just don't want to hear it, right? It's not like it's no no offense. It's just like you don't want to hear us talking about that. Yeah, hundred mm. percent. Well, uh, around that's how I feel about rhubarb. <laughs> around the same time that Runaway Train was was such a hit, uh, I was you know in a band called Delaware, which we've brought up on the show, of course, which was on the label Strawberry Rhubarb, Strawberry Rhubarb Records. See how it all ties together. Some other there? bands involved. How many bands were on this label? This is another well, we also, another link in the investigation. We had a zine. Huh? We had a zine, Strawberry Rhubarb. <laughs> So it was just, what, yeah, there was what, a, what bothers me. There've been multiple yeah. side discussions saying that all the tapes and all the footage exist. You just won't bring the, bring it to us. Is it? Yeah. Do you have the tapes? Yes or no, Greg? I have one tape. So it's the investigation. It doesn't even exist at this point. We just, it's on you to bring it in. Just think how happy you'll make people. Like, what does that mean to you to make people happy? 
Not enough, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) What if we Uh, put it? What? All right. This is a serious question um, because the Internet's pretty amazing with uh, crowdsourcing and funding. As we've seen, we got one of our uh, old producers a brand new car, I think, or paid for repairs. (laughs) Wes, of course, during his courageous cancer fight, uh, the listeners pitched in and helped Wes out with the bills. What would it what would be the number, Greg? (laughs) Uh, that fans would have to raise, and I'm not joking, to get the Delaware tapes on our podcast. I can't put a price on it. I'm not putting a price on it. A thousand dollars? No. I don't. This is. <laughs> I can hear the HR lemmings coming in. You know, they're coming. Don't in blame it the on that. They don't listen. Nobody listens. They're not going to interfere here. I don't want it. Wish I didn't bring it up. Two thousand. <laughs> No. Two thousand dollars. I don't want to. I wouldn't do it for money. That's the wrong. If you did, wrong would you reason. credit? Would you give That's some the of the earnings thing. to the other people that you'd be exposing the other bandmates? That's true. Smart. The writers. Fair. The right. Label. I, I, I was pretty low on the strawberry rhubarb. Strawberry rhubarb. The label. Taste. Let's just say that Greg's not the only one from his band who has tape of Delaware. We don't want to well, go that route. Well, we would rather not because that seems unfair to Greg. Mm. But Mark, welcome back from vacation. Thanks. <laughs> uh, you did one of your um, patented Sessler staycations, which I always imagine is just you walking through Los Angeles alleyways in broad daylight. That's just how I just picture every it, vacation for you. I kind of learned a lesson because I this vacation began on the, the Saturday after we wrapped up the draft. You don't start – you start the vacation where you wrap up – you kind of that Friday beforehand needs to be where the vacation starts. I, I, it was a like an emergency vacation to get a breath of fresh air, and I, I stripped it of two functional days, so there was less wandering. There was very little wandering. Well, so the whole time you just regretted that that you missed the whole time to- one e- day. E- no, even from like, I've, I've thought about even that. Even from like Sunday, I was like, I, I, I planned this very poorly. I oh, should have taken the week, following yeah. week where if like, if we wrap up a pot on Thursday or something. But sometimes, you know. like you said, you just need the breath of fresh air. I think about right. that sometimes because I always take the week after the Super Bowl off and we don't get back till Monday afternoon. And so you run into the same thing. But sometimes it's just the right time. You just feel like that's a nice Your time. Super Bowl, post-Super Bowl vacation is what compelled me to do it. And there is a plus side, but there was a <laughs> lingering minus side in my head also. <laughs> Well, always fun to take a walk up there in the old Cessna <laughs> okay, rain. Uh, coming up on today's show, off-season storylines to watch through the rest of this spring. Is it spring yet? Yes. Yeah, it's spring. It's May. Come on, Dan. <laughs> I thought it was April still, and then sometimes it's like, when does it fall? Uh, but we're certainly in the spring now and, um, and through the summer. So we'll track um, or kind of each share some – Storylines, not like season preview type storylines, more just things to keep an eye on as we, you know, rookie mini camps, um, uh, OTAs, the mandatory mini camps, and then of course into uh, standard training camp. What are some storylines to watch? Uh, but before that, by the way, this is why yes. October beats May. Let's talk about it. Well, people are always talking about the best month, and May is always a popular choice. Hmm. Yeah. But for a great portion of the country may is a cruel tease comes in and you think it's going to be beautiful and it's you know if you're in chicago i was there for draft weekend once and it was 30 something degrees right. windy come it's on up and down come on october is just beautiful just about everywhere in america that was the eddie white interview if i'm not mistaken that you conducted during that draft 
Kevin White. Kevin, Kevin White, excuse me. Yes. Maybe also Kevin White. Yes. I was, you were all in on Kevin White for like years after that interview. Yes, I was uh, beguiled by Kevin White. Eddie White. Who knows? Like He's with the Cardinals. There's got to be 150 Eddie Whites it's in like our a life. Leave it to Beaver character. <laughs> Probably. No, it's Eddie Haskell, actually. Um, all right, let's uh, do some news. Okay, I'm waiting for this little Starbucks cup. Mm-hmm. Kind of mm-hmm. Torment's talking. Torment's talking. Thomas talking. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Hand to the right. Come on. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. All right, Wesley, this is you are our representative, our Game of Thrones fan in the room here. Uh, you speak to it. Speak to the shame of a Starbucks cup showing up in a scene of Game of Thrones, uh, one of the, you know, the hottest pop culture property on television, the whole world watching, except for the rest of us in the room. And explain, you know, talk your way out of this one, Wes. Well, I was told after our spoilers discussion that I am incredibly old, much older than you would think chronologically, and that I am totally removed from the cultural zeitgeist. Mm -hmm. This is an example. You have a television show with dragons. Yes. You have a television show with people uh, sleeping with family members, and they they supposedly, allegedly have uh, holy blood running through their bodies mm-hmm. that allows them. And the most the, the sounds like a terrible show. The point at which their loyal viewers get upset is when they have a Starbucks cup, because now it's not believable anymore. You got dragons on your show. What do you mean it's not right. believable anymore? Fair, fair point. That point, and I saw that point, and I get that one. What is the word? Anachronistic? What is it? Anna? It's an anachronism. Yeah, well, that you got to get that right. You got to get those details right. You can't have a, a coffee chain from Seattle from the 20th century founding. I well, had that job up. once, a continuity person on a, on a really? film set. Actually, my title, because this was when they did not correctly realize that anyone could do the job, my title was Script Girl. <laughs> no. You had. But your job was to, like, to line up every single Wait, shot not, to make sure. Script th- Boy. But well, I mean, just, that the, the title did not exist. The title no. came from a time when there was like two jobs on right. on a 60-person set and one of them was, for women and one was called Script right. Girl. But yeah, I jumped into old... this with no experience, but it was that kind of thing where it was like if a pebble was out of place or someone had their tongue out, then they right. didn't. You had to like control 80 wild people and control it was like an absolute nightmare. Let me say this a little more forcefully. Mm-hmm. On the episode after the episode in which the opposition had a practically thousand to one advantage in manpower right uh, especially because they were undead and right. they came back immediately from being dead the next show is when the starbucks cup happens and that's when everybody gets in a rub- wait do you enjoy okay. this show i do i just like there are certain parts of it that you really have to try hard to suspend your disbelief mm. especially if you're not used to watching undead and dragons mm. so like the the Starbucks Cup really, to me, is a little La Raville magnificent. They've done a deep on dive. The, not on a the Starbucks level of nerds cup. watching this show. But a coffee cup? A coffee cup. Local. They do support the locals. Hmm. All right. Let's get into the news. Good pop culture talk. Sebastian Janikowski. Let's talk about some retirements. And we did last week. And if you missed it, go back and listen because it holds up beautifully. Um, Mark, Patrick Claybon, if this is okay. Claybon and Colleen were sitting in your chair uh, for our around the AFC and around the NFC in 48 minute episodes. Um, and check it out. 
but it, what it what it caused us to do is not hit any news. So we missed little nugs, like some retirements, like Sebastian Janikowski. Is that okay that they sat in your chair? I mean, I I no- would normally feel like a huge disturbance in the air if someone were outshining me in right. that position. I didn't feel anything, but I think I just was generally unplugged. But I did see that they both performed. People loved them. So what can I right. tell you? Uh, yeah. I don't know. No, but you were okay with them actually using your chair. I mean, this is, yes. Okay. This chair is used by Damashek's people too, so. Okay, here we go. Seabass <laughs> is done after 19 seasons in the NFL. Uh, the former Raiders and Seahawks kicker calling it quits. Near, oh, yes, this is, I asked for um, retirement music. This is, this works. So he goes off into retirement after 19 years uh, almost 19 years to the day when he was drafted in the first round of the 2000 NFL draft. It was a good run, the 41-year-old told ESPN. I still think of the Super Bowl. It still hurts. Mm. God, who even remembers that Super Bowl so long ago? But the Raiders, a long, long time ago in the tw- 2002 season, I believe, or three season, two, two. season, two, uh, went to the Super Bowl and got creamed by John Gruden and the Bucks in a game that famously um, – the Bucks with Gruden knew all of uh, the Raiders' play calls, as history has it. And the MVP of the season, Rich Gannon, had a miserable day, in part because the head coach of the Raiders, who was Bill Callahan, Bill Callahan and staff, didn't quite prep for the fact that Gruden had built that team that he was facing at the Super Bowl. That's a little aside, a little NFL history jaunt. But coming back to Seabass, it's over, Wes. Uh, first round kicker. Will that ever happen again? Hasn't happened since. Uh, I predict it will happen at some point. Really? Yeah. I mean, we're just a couple of years away from having a second round kicker. Um, and that guy wasn't even as great of a prospect as Seabass was coming out of Florida. And that was as um, you know public and a big a disgrace slash disaster as you can imagine. I feel like that would scare people away from ever touching even the second round. But I feel like that the level of prospect that Roberto Aguayo was, there's going to be somebody who's like twice as good of a prospect, say some left footer who kicks him from mm. 70 pretty regularly. Like I, I think that might happen in the future. I also want to say Seabass has gotten a lot of love on this show and from people on Twitter for the last few years. Not even the best left-footed kicker of his era, David Akers deserved a lot more love than Seabass. Mm. I guess Seabass was kind of a uh, – well, he had some off-the-field issues earlier in his career. But in terms of an entertaining on-field character, he had the big beer belly. He was huge. He was on the Raiders. He had the biggest leg. The nickname. He hit a 63-yarder, of course, which uh, at the time had tied an NFL record. He was Seabass. He had all that as part of the package. Well, I think also the throwback angle. I think pe- people actually – pictured him in their mind smoking cigarettes on the sidelines before he was about to go right. kick it. I think it's also his, like his body type. He was just this massive dude. I if for, To get picked in the first round as a kicker, it seems like you'd have to have someone like Al Davis on the other end pulling the, the trigger because you're going to get a, absolutely assassinated People as a front him. office. But he ended up, he has the most 50-plus yard kicks of all time. So you think of him as a big kick. Ultimately, you look at the rest of that first round. Of course, he, he was the last guy left in that draft other than Tom Brady. It's like he, he was one of the 10 best players in that first round for sure. So right, it's like, you, it, I get like position and you should, you shouldn't draft a kicker in the first round, but people get so caught up like mocking the lions because they took a tight end eighth. It's like the position scarcity. And uh, in the end, he was a better pick than a ton of other picks. In if that you first knew round, your C-Bass. kicker was going to play at a high level for 16 years, 
would you take him in the first round and just sit back and be like, I, still, I, I know it's going to go well. He had some bad years. That rookie he did year, have some bad years. A, I still probably wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. No, I would not take a kicker in the first <laughs> round. Um, also ending his career is Jamal Charles. Uh, Charles signed a one-day one contract with the Chiefs and retired. The team announced last Wednesday, 32 years old, entered the league in 2008 out of Texas. And uh, from 2008 to 2016 was just an absolute stud, one of the best players in football. Uh, he's the Chiefs' all-time leading rusher, over 7,000 yards, five 1,000-yard season. I believe he tore his ACL week one of, was it 2016? Yes. It was in the end. He never Might was the same two. guy after that. He bounced around a little bit in the end. Uh, so it was sad that things ended up the way they did uh, because he, um, Mark, was on a Hall of Fame trajectory uh, before that ACL tear. Yeah, I think now that you'd have to look at him just from a, the way the Hall of Fame works with numbers, you still have Frank Gore and Adrian Peterson about to end their career soon. To me, he's what he's 56 in rushing. I think he has a hard time making the Hall of Fame based on the fact that like he's... I don't think he will make the Hall of Fame. No, I mean, he's closer... Ring to, of Honor? Okay. Well, I mean, Ring of, I don't know what Ring of Honor means anymore because it feels like every time I turn around, someone's being thrown into a Ring oh, of sure. Honor. He certainly would deserve to with Kansas City. Right. Is that a shot at no, Jake DeLome just now? No, I mean, but just in general, it seems like if you played on the same team for six plus years, you're you're tossed into the ring of honor. Well, because he didn't have that many carries after that injury, he is the all-time leader of of tailbacks, really running backs in yards per carry, which is an amazing stat that he's going to go down. There are a few quarterbacks ahead of him, Cunningham and and Vic, and Marion Motley is ahead of him, and he was technically a fullback. So I don't know if you give it to Jamal Charles or not, but that's still pretty incredible that year after year after year, he was 5.3, 6.4, 6.9. I mean, he kind of turned the, you hear track guy. He was a track guy, and he's one of the, like, he, Changed track guy from being a dirty word. He made it. He made it work. Uh, speaking of Chiefs Ring of Honor, Derek Johnson also signed, or is signing a one-day contract this week, and will retire. Uh, 36 years old, entered the league in 2005 as a first-round pick, uh, and played a long career in Kansas City. Finishes as the Chiefs' all-time leader in tackles. Uh, added 14 interceptions, 27 and a half sacks. First team All Pro selection in 2010 and a four time Pro Bowler. A nice career. I think he was one of the first of those guys who ruptured their Achilles but then came back to play anyway. Halfway through his career is about when the Achilles technology got a lot better in mm. the medical mm. world. But that 2008 draft class for running backs, it's interesting to see Chris Johnson recently officially retired. Jamal Charles, Matt Forte retired last year, Jonathan Stewart retired this year, McFadden retired last year, all from that Hmm. same draft class. Good class. I saw McFadden last week getting out of a Jaguar uh, in Larchmont Village. How about that? Better career. And I thought of texting Wes at the time just because he loved Darren McFadden so much. But it was was just like, eh, what's really the payoff with this tech? I saw Darren McFadden at the first Veterans Combine. Remember the the short-run Veterans Combine? And he he basically went through the whole rigmarole, and he basically asked the reporter, what was my, like, 40 time? And they told him to go, I'm not going to make any team. And he just walked away. Wow. Can we we put pause and go back to, Greg, do you put that much thought into a text to a friend? I mean, this was Usually all... with me, I'll just like, if something comes to my mind, I'll just fire it off. And it doesn't even need to reply. So you actually processed whether it would be worth it for Wes to look at it. Maybe it was, that's a nice thing to do. No, I mean, it was like a two-second thought. And, you know, I'm, you're walking down, and I think I was about to, like, cross the street, too. So you don't want to be, yeah. like, crossing and texting. It's just like, at the moment, Pat. Would you have liked to get that text, Wes? 
I, I would put it this way. If I truly was a big Darren McFadden yeah. fan, it would be a nice text to read. Right. Ultimately, it's sort of but, a, it would be sort of needling, Wes, like of, yeah. a, of a decades-old thing of like you love Darren McFadden. The assessment much. that I like Darren McFadden just because <laughs> I have claimed on separate times that he's not a joke of a football player. I mean, let's – No one. No one. Oh, you did like on, him no. during his Cowboys run, as I recall. I defended him yeah. from people who thought he was washed up when he could clearly still play. All right. Let's move on. Uh, happy trails to all those players. Um, let's check with the Raiders. A few things to go through here. First, Richie Incognito. Remember him? Somebody yes. on Twitter called this uh, potential for Headlock West. Uh, West. Mm. Uh, the guard, controversial guard, uh, spent 2018 out of football. He said multiple off-field altercations. There's a mental health facility stay. Something happened in a funeral home, which, you know, always a red flag when crazy stuff goes on in the funeral home. Anyway, Mike Garofalo, uh, Garofalo excuse me, uh, reported uh, that Incognito is in shape, feeling well in all aspects, and uh, the Raiders are going to work out Incognito. The Raiders obviously need help in uh, the left guard position, Greg. <laughs> I mean, is this going to happen? With the Raiders, nothing. You never know. I mean, I, at this point, I would assume it is happening. It just seems so... Raiders-y. And, and it's funny because John Gruden, like, earlier this week, just was clearly annoyed and was saying that left guard spot is wide open. No one really stepped Like, he's already getting annoyed that no one stepped up for the, the left guard spot. It's like May 3rd. And you can almost, like, imagine him walking into Mayock's office or, or Mark Davis or however it works. And being like, all right, enough of this and waiting around with incognito. Let's just do it. Why are you, <laughs> why are you drafting a guy at number four because of character? Right. And yet you trade for Antonio Brown, sign Vontez Burfick, and work out Richie Incognito. Why is character so important to you just for your draft picks but not your other Got to balance it out. I guess. I mean, they have talk a super about bad those... guy. You got to have a super good guy. Well, they're not admitting to the bad guy side of it, but they talk about the rookies as like their core future building, but apparently you're allowed to lace that core with some bad apples. Poison. So, yeah, I mean. Straight up human poison. Well, it might be like there's different people in charge of different things. You know, Mayak, it's his draft, but I don't know. Is he the one signing Richie Incognito? Who knows? Um, Isaiah Crowell spent last year with the Jets, had his moments, signed with the Raiders, was going to be in the mix. Well, not anymore. Uh, Last week he uh, suffered a torn Achilles, and the Raiders place him on injured reserve. Uh, Because of that, a couple dominoes fell. Marshawn Lynch popped up and said, hey, I'll come back if you want me back. Beast mode. And, I, I, you know, I have to say, I would not have a problem with that, but we are not doing a third beast mode retrospective on this podcast. I'm with you. Did we do one a few weeks ago? We did one on the Twitter show. We did one at yeah. the Super Bowl. Well, Actually, we've done three already. In, in this in this case, it, it sounds like it wasn't his fault. It was reported that, that he was not in the plans and that he's headed to retirement. But it, it sounds like he didn't know that. You know, he sounds like he he fully wants to play. His mom, you know, immediately when that report came up was like, "Uh, what? He wants to play. But it it sounds like he's done. This man retired before I had cancer. What are we doing? (laughs) Uh, The Raiders, for what it's worth, did act and and replace Corral on the roster with uh, Doug Martin. They re-signed Martin, who um, ran for over 700 yards and ran for – over four yards a carry over 16 games, including nine starts with Oakland last year. They looked ready to move on from Martin and, of course, signed uh, first um, drafted uh, first-round rookie Josh Jacobs. Uh, already have DeAndre Washington, Chris Warren. Uh, but now they need some depth, so Martin rejoins the fray. Maybe this actually 
Doug Martin's just taking a job because you got to get a job. They, Probably they, you'd be better off hanging out on the wire a little bit longer, but I guess you can't turn down work. They have a lot of people. This is the team that cut C.J. Anderson after less than a week last year before he went on to do what he did with the Rams. And it was mm. Gruden who was talking endlessly about Chris Warren at the Combine as if maybe Chris Warren was going to be promoted and take over some sort of spot. Then they draft Josh Jacobs and sign Doug Martin. So, full house. Finally, Ronald Ollie, who was um, featured on Last Chance You, that Netflix show that... Uh, Greg, I know you're quite a big fan of. Uh, he has signed uh, or earned a tryout with the Oakland Raiders. He signed. Oh, he signed, excuse me, with the Raiders. The tryout worked. Tryout. So he got a chance to try out with the team. Uh, Greg, I know you are excited it, well, to talk about this. Ronald Ollie is maybe my favorite character. I've watched season one and three, and I didn't watch it until fairly recently. It, it's an amazing show, and he's an amazing character in the show and just person. He, he's... He's like a very likable guy. He lost his parents. His dad killed his mom and then killed himself when he, when Ronald Ali was five years old. Mm. And and the life trials that so many of the guys on the show have to go through to get to the point, which is just the longest of longest of long shots, uh, is fascinating to watch. And just his, if you guys do watch the first season ever, like his personality and just everything about him is really unique. Uh, and it's really cool. Cause he was a, un, even getting, going into the draft process, he was a huge long shot. He was, you know, he's at Nichols state. Uh, so it's cool to see, maybe he'll make it. Very cool. So you would heartily endorse yes. that program. I would. What, why did nice. you, it's a bit extra to watch season one. Blank on season two and then watch season well, three. Well, it's a lot of – it's it, they're long, and I heard that – this and maybe fans of the show could tell me I'm wrong, that they were a little aware of the cameras going into season two because they did two seasons at one college, and then they went to a new one for the third season. And so I just got some bad feedback uh, on it. And it, plus it's like six hours to – It's kind of like – It's um, a logical answer. A bit of the, the wire corollary there. Fans yeah. of that show. And people are always very late to the wire, the HBO show – and said, oh, well, you know, should I watch it? And people would say, absolutely, watch season one. Eh, you could skip season two, because that's when they went to the docks. And the dock season was a little weird and not yeah. necessarily a, all of part of the same uh, adventure or story. And then season three, they get back on track. That's, that's the connection but I think I'm the seeing here. Adventure. There is a connection, <laughs> but I think time has – first of all, you do miss out on things. That was a Keith Hansis line. He's like, oh, good adventure, this episode. I think time has proven season two underrated of The Wire. Really? Yeah. I'm I'm with Dan on this one. Enough of going to the docks with that jerk-off son every day. (laughs) Uh, Let's move on to the Bears. I invented that. Uh, The Bears are looking for a replacement for Cody Parkey, who, of course, infamously in Chicago, he'll go down in Chicago lore as Mr. Double- Doink uh, in the playoffs cost them Mr. a game Today show. against the Eagles, then went on the Today Show, and then got cut. Anyway, so on Friday um, at three-day rookie minicamp, Matt Nagy had the, you know, on the surface, a good idea. But I'm not sure what the payoff was either way. But he decided to take all eight kickers uh, at the rookie minicamp and set them up on a 43-yard field goal entire in front of the entire rookie minicamp roster at the end of practice and um, said, do what the old kicker couldn't. Maybe it was going to rub a little salt in Parky's wounds if they hit all eight, and then that news item goes out there. But instead, the kickers missed six of eight. 
Nagy says that's not good enough. Now, I will say this. We always look at the end result of what happens, which is 100% what matters, right? But as we're learning, two of those eight holds and snaps, it wasn't 100%. All right, I'll leave it at that. So that blew up in Nagy's face a little bit. Bill Parcells, Adam Vinatieri talks about at the beginning of his career, Vinatieri will be setting up for a kick in practice, and Parcells would walk across his spot and do a whammy before he kicked because if you can't handle the pressure in a practice, like mm-hmm. when are you going to do it in the game? The kick, the kick was also you know slightly blocked, so hmm. was that part of the? It drill? was tipped. Hit the yeah. You're right. Yeah, he said he was like trying to like that. you know some teams are like we're moving on from the past. He was like I wanted to talk about the elephant <laughs> in the room. But that's a seems that's like Dan like Quinn's a, move. All right, please. We got some. What? We got something else going on here. What? The Bears have acquired Eddie Pinheiro from the Raiders. We've got a trade breaking news. It's a kicker trade, and it's involving the Chicago Bears. They didn't like what they saw at the tryout. They're giving up a conditional seventh-round pick to the Raiders. He has to be on the roster five games. Cousin Eddie, welcome to town. (laughs) Pinheiro won that job for the Raiders last year coming out of camp. He beat out Giorgio Tavecchio, and he beat out Nuge. And then he tore his groin, like, right before so they the season. Just, are they still going to keep eight kickers? Or are they, I well, guess- there's only two other kickers under contract, okay. and one of them is a guy named Chris Blewett. I just don't think Chris Blewett should be on the Bears roster. It's No seems- offense. It just seems like you're inviting something. You need to change that name if you're going to be a kicker. That is in the, the poorly matched um, last name Hall of Fame, along with uh, former Tampa Bay Rays reliever Grant Balfour. It would, Bob, Bob it- Walk? It would be funny if, like, all Bears blew it. No, man. <laughs> Grant Paul Ford. Just become Chris with no last name. That would that would mm. become a media thing in a good way. What if the Bears... Or a symbol? Like a Prince symbol? If, like, Matt Nagy get, becomes upset, like, all their moves are regarding kickers. Like, all the news coming out of the Bears is kicker-related. Mm. Yeah. Because so far, that's kind of the trend right now. Yeah. I don't know why Nagy did that, by the way. That was weird. Uh, let's move like, on. Uh, it's like they ask him questions about other positions and he just like, keeps talking. Like, Remember what happened in the playoffs? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Gerald McCoy, let's talk about him. Uh, the Bucks defensive tackle, clearly on the trade block, um, has not gotten any vote of confidence uh, from Bruce Arians. He stayed away from offseason workouts. Uh, but the six-time Pro Bowler, nine years into a career, he's heard enough of uh, the negative comments around him. He used Sunday to speak out during a workout uh, via an Instagram story. That's how things operate in 2019, guys, uh, to prove his dedication to his craft. Cinco de Mayo, everybody out, probably getting ready to drink, probably drinking right now, no matter. You want to question me? See what I do on Cinco de Mayo. I work, I work, and I've got my kids with me. How many people doing that? (laughs) All pro on and off the field. Want to question me? Is he going to be ready? Does he love football? What? Y'all crazy. Lost y'all mind. I work. Don't you ever question me. That's a great rant. I mean, that was just like one little segment of it. When they I, when they show it on NFL Network because they're showing the Instagram story, you can see it was one of like 13 straight Instagram stories, which is also like, Erica, you do that sometimes, like where it's just it's a nonstop video that you're cutting up by 15 seconds, you know, but it's like a three minute, essentially, essentially a three minute video. Isn't that kind of cheating? I Isn't mean, that kind of annoying? Mm. I think it could be annoying. Um, I've never done a three-minute. Maybe not video. three minutes, but it was <laughs> like, tw- like two videos. It was like twelve. It was like twelve. But I mean, I'm saying you open up a story How did and Erica you see get hit with shrapnel. You're on that seeing one? Yeah. okay. You're seeing I mean, Instagram cuts it up 
nicely for you. Sure. I'm saying if you open up the McCoy one and the rant starts, you see that there's 14 more stories to go in that 24 hours. Oh, but Isn't that too many? Him, yeah, you don't need yeah. too many. Po- yeah, it's stupid. That's stupid. It's intimidating. But You're just like, if you see all it. that, you're just going to turn it off. Moving on. Uh, Miles Garrett, the um, star defensive end for the Cleveland Browns, uh, did a feature with Dan Pompey for Bleacher Report. And he said that his former defensive coordinator, Greg Williams, now the defensive coordinator of the Jets, um, he had a negative effect on him because he wouldn't let him do what he wanted to do on the field. Here's the quote from Garrett to Pompey. I hopefully have more freedom to be the player I want to be. Greg was more like, you win with these two moves. I don't want to see anything else out of you. It's kind of hard with two moves. I feel like you can't always be so predictable. Um, Mm. For the record, Garrett had 13 and a half sacks last year and went to the Pro Bowl. So I guess he'll have 23 and a half sacks this year and be all pro. So you're saying that Greg Williams thought he uh, knew what was better than someone who's one of the best in the world at doing something? Like, that doesn't surprise me at all. Please. (laughs) The ego on this guy. I mean, that's one I'm way usually, to look at it. I'm usually oh, pro Greg Williams, but it's like maybe you should listen to the person that's like a, a genius, essentially, at that skill set. Why are you it, usually pro Greg Williams? I mean, I'm in, in this room. I'm just oh. saying, like, I don't think – like, he's not the worst coach in the I, world. I normally like to say I'd like to hear the other person's side of it, but I don't know if I need to hear <laughs> Greg Williams' well, side of it. Well, there's the other side of it, too, is like – I don't like Miles Garrett. So the defensive coach said that you can only use two moves – so there were games where you thought you could have more sacks, but you said, no, coach said I can only use these two moves. I'm calling BS on this. I hope he's, I hope this isn't true. Like he would only do two moves because coach said he couldn't do other moves. This just seems unnecessary, to be honest with you. Adam Gase is going to be using more than two moves on Greg Williams <laughs> by, by November. Headlock gate. But there's, there is I, – I looked into this. There's history between these two guys. Mm. Uh, Miles Garrett went after the – Brown's game plan after a loss to the Steelers last year and uh, Greg Williams fired back uh, via the press. They have had heard me say that over a hundred times here. You can't take responsibility. Just blame me. I'm okay with it, which is pretty passive aggressive. Uh, Dig back at his star player. Just leave it in the past. I mean, I think our Greg's point with Greg Williams has often been that you ha- he has a shelf life, and that is true in Cleveland, and it will be true with the Jets. It's, it's hard to imagine a person with a poet's soul not getting along great with Greg Williams. <laughs> and and um, my point, you might not like this one, Mark. A lot of guys like to talk on the Browns. Miles I, Garrett I, does. I know. I, I noticed does. that you had um, that the Browns. Miles Garrett, like, Miles Garrett had, doesn't at all. Miles Garrett does not. Outside of this, that's why I mean, it surprised me because he has said nothing almost negative at all as he, in his career. All I'm saying is since we're talking about this, he publicly called out his coach's game plan in a game last year. And then in minicamp, went out of his way to take a shot. at. The, so he like, he'll talk to the media about things he's unhappy with. And there are multiple players on the Browns that will talk. And if this thing goes sideways, there are some guys that talk. That's all it's, I'm saying. It, for, one thing is they were destroyed by everyone for legitimately sucking and not getting out of their own way. They look like they've set the table nicely. And if they suck again after all this hoopla, they are going to be denigrated and, sh- and scattered by people. If they go five and eleven, people are not going to end with their with their fun, and I I can see it is a concern, but at the same time they have a quarterback which they. <laughs> what did never you had say? Before. You saw something on Twitter? 
No, I noticed that you had like a, a post or a, like it was a mailbag. Was it a mailbag? I think about Browns, the Browns being the offseason story. It's a very fair point that they have been they, doused with I was, all this what, praise. They've done nothing. On the mailbag, someone asked me if the, the mailbag. people were getting too excited about the Browns. And for the record, Mark, I completely said, yes, keep that in mind. But this team is so talented that I believe this is a you know playoff team. I think you know that I side I with the idea the of chill out until you have won games. Like right. I'm not walking around like spinning scarfs and throwing hats and like kicking <laughs> people like in the face. That. Spinning scarfs, uh, whatever, just brown scarfs. You know. Finally, in the news, the Bills—they're trying to curtail tailgate antics with new policy. That's the headline on NFL.com. I put my own headline in our rundown for the show today. Bills attempting to price out louts and loose women at tailgate. Now, how are they going to do it? The team is creating a, quote, tailgate village, which will charge a 20-person vehicle $300, a 40-person vehicle $500, and $900 for a 60-people vehicle. The charge breaks down to about 15 bucks per person for fans that want to tailgate in the designated area. Buses or limos with passengers who do not want to tailgate will be charged $100 to park. So basically, they're trying to get rid of people that are showing at the game. Uh, you know, they're just, oh, we're not going to the game. We're not here for anything else but to get smashed, get destroyed, get go viral. And, and if they raise the prices, they will send these degenerates somewhere else on their Sunday morning. That's the goal. Now, whether or not it works, we'll find out. The riffraff usually has a penchant for sticking around. Money, pricing out riffraff, I think works sometimes, and that's what they're going for. Just make it too expensive for them. Hmm. How are they pre-identifying loose women in louts before they enter the stadium? Once they're in, they lose them. They they lose coverage of them. Feel like that's a large chunk of their stadium crowd, so they should be somewhat careful with this. But I mean, yeah, it doesn't. They're not. It's also only fifteen dollars per person to get in. I, I don't know though. The whole this is one of the parts of the Bills, you know, experience from afar that I have enjoyed. They hated the Bills organization, and there's quotes in the story. If you want to read Kevin Patrick's post, and we've heard it uh, even in a joking way uh, when we were at the owners' meetings. I brought it up to Sean McDermott, and you could tell. Not that it struck a chord with them, but it was the idea of, no, we don't, they don't like this idea. We're known. One of the things the Bills as a team are most famous for in the last 10 years is their unruly fans. Not the football product, not their success or failures. What's going on in the parking lot? They don't like that. We do as fans. Right. But if I, like, if I was a. I mean, it's better than everyone Bills talking fan, about, right? like, the Buddy Nicks, you know, era. <laughs> Chan Gailey. <laughs> Dukes of Hazard. It's uh, like, hey, you guys, remember uh, Doug Whaley? That was terrible. Buddy and Chan. Uh, that's what's happening in the news. Hey, guys, wedding time. Chris Wessling. Oh, my God. Holy goodness. It is May 6th as we tape this. You're getting married on May 19th. It is coming like a freight train. <laughs> and guess what? Freight train I would not go near. No, especially <laughs> not, with the game. Don't step in front of um, we should get extra for that. Anyway, the blacktux.com, that's where you go to get it. Um, you know, Greg, myself, Mark, all groomsmen in Wes's wedding. What an honor. And we are all using the black tux, as is the groom, right? Mine arrived today. Unbelievable. We all have our blacktux.com tuxedos. Uh, so we are ready to go. And, and that's a big moment, Mark. I know you said you've slowed down with your Instagram output. But the big who is going to put the first photo of the four heroes and tux together? 
on Instagram. It's something to watch. What's going to happen on the gram? I mean, it's got to be. I Wes has his choice of how he wants the media to run that day. He'll be busy though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hands of a full. Nobody needs a green light from me to post about my wedding on their various social media outlets. I give that that company some props. When it showed up in my house, the the pre-ordered tux, the box itself, you open it up, it's, oh, the whole thing's been kept very nice. The whole the whole thing. What a package! And as convenient as can be, you wear the tux, and then uh, after the wedding, they give you seventy-two hour grace period. Just put it back in the box and send it to us. We'll, we'll take care of everything. It will not return in its um, pristine form, I suggest, or predict. <laughs> Sweat soaked. One less Start stressful thing. Like someone from the home office is like marking down Mark's name now. It's like, <laughs> let's watch out for any drug Keep paraphernalia this with uh, this Sessler guy. I didn't go down that road, Greg. <laughs> Rent your suit or tuxedo at theblacktux.com and enjoy $20 off with code ROUND. That's theblacktux.com, code ROUND for $20 off your purchase. The Black Tux, it's coming, Wes. What timing? Do they know the wedding's coming? They should just be hammering these uh, mm-hmm. ads the next couple of weeks. I agree. All right, now let's get to it. Off-season storylines to watch through the spring and summer. Um, we'll go around the horn here. Uh, and you guys throwing out there that uh, I guess what we're looking for here is a storyline that you know will shape the season in a lot of ways for that team or the division or the conference. Um, so, uh, Wes, I'm going to mix it up. I don't even mm, do this. Nice. I'm going to start with you. Well, our very own Brian Baldinger recently said that Daniel Jones, drafted by the Giants at number six overall, is one of the best athletes ever to play the quarterback position Whoa. in New York. What? Ran a 4 six forty. Tested I mean, very well. Tested very well. Drafted six overall. I want to see this offseason if there's a La Ravio Magnifico. If this guy is clearly better than Eli Manning in practices, a guy who's been one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL for the last three years, if this guy is clearly better than Eli, he should play week one, and Giants fans Hmm. should be demanding it. If he's not clearly better than one of the guys who's been the worst quarterback in the NFL, one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL, then the Giants are in trouble because they drafted a bust. If this guy's such a good athlete, we should see right away whether he's better than Eli Manning or not. I just will will Shermer and Gettleman make the same mistake Hugh Jackson did last year, ultimately maybe costing his team the playoffs because just out of some beholden to some philosophy that he has to stick He'd have with to the be veteran. on fire though for any chance you would think just because picking up the offense and reading defense and just because I mean we've seen Eli Manning's stature in that franchise. Normally you would say yeah the number six pick would have a chance and that would be it's an interesting topic to even bring up because I haven't even thought of Daniel Jones as a potential week one starter normally you would but it's because the the, the odds are so stacked against him he'd have to crush isn't that him. a isn't that a no-lose situation for the Giants though if that kid shows up and plays out yes. of his mind and looks incredible and looks like an athletic freak even if they out of deference to Eli sit him it becomes just a, a matter of time and then maybe you have a real solution at the position the worst case scenario of course if he looks lost right you know and they get off on a bad foot with him through tri- it could have not Hackenberg level failure potential but you, you're nervous you really do want him to show something it's important it is it's like they they went out of their way to draft someone who is already preordained as a student of the Mannings so it already puts him in that. If he's the understudy, we kind of get it because he's always been Eli's buddy. In it. But 
it maybe removes some of the Eli, we have to hold him up on a pedestal because the GM actually went and got a quarterback to compete with Eli versus just answering questions about Eli versus the void. I'm not going to put it on Daniel Jones, though. If sounds like he did well all offseason, showed some good promise in the preseason, but he has no chance to start week one. Because to me, that's that's not going to be his fault. Why are we acting like it's 2002 and not 2019? Quarterbacks drafted in the top 10 are yeah. expected to start. I guess it's because it's the Giants. Yeah, I think it's because it's the Eli thing with the Giants, which has been one of the weirdest situations going on. And it is a it, you said it's a no lose, but it, it's a continued to lose. You know, they've they haven't been a, they've been a losing team five out of six seasons. I think uh, I'm trying to think the last time. This happened. I know opinions vary on Eli as a player, but within the New York Giants, he's a franchise legend that sure. has all their statistical records and two Super Bowls. Is, when's the last time a player got drafted, a quarterback got drafted with a living icon, still as the starting quarterback, and immediately took over? I don't think it, it really happens. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is an example, but he waited three years. Like uh, the Dolphins never went and got that guy when they had a fading Dan Marino? There what there aren't there aren't it's a good question. I mean cuz even Eli Eli sat behind Kurt Warner. They usually get rid of the veteran so he's not forced to undergo yep. a process right. like that. Usually there's yeah like the veteran is in decline maybe he gets hurt or gets unseated in the middle of the season. Uh, but Eli, of course, with the exception of one game, has played every game for the Giants for 15 years. Uh, yes, very interesting, Wes. We started off with Wes Bat's leadoff for the Shield, our three-in-one uh, company softball team, and um, and again showing his ability to get on base mm. and Play start ball. rallies and score runs and just be a tone setter like a Nick Zenzel. Oh, Nick Senzel. Don't even get me started on Nick Senzel. The whole world is – everything that was dark is light again. Nick Senzel is, is here to turn the red wow. season around. He's a prospect for the red – or now a Prospect, please. <laughs> He's the best player on the team already. Um. All right. Greg, you're up. I'm going to go with the Josh Gordon situation that I, over the next few months, want to see – what the word is from the Ian Rappaports and the Mike Garofolos of what is Josh Gordon's potential status for the 2019 season. Cause I think it's been a little overlooked. I just, when it, when he was suspended, it was just like, okay, that's it. It's his career's over again. We've said that a million times. And yet as it starts to get closer and he signed the restricted, or they had the restricted free agent tender, you get the sense that it's very much an open question. And that's something that I think, I could learn in the in the summer leading into August that will absolutely change this Patriots team if he was brought back, whether they think it's going to be during the season or, you know, for week one or whatever. They would go from never having a big-time physical outside receiver, you know, almost throughout the Bill Belichick era to suddenly having two, having no tight ends, and they've been a tight end heavy operation to one of the worst tight end rosters in the NFL, but then having Nikhil Harry and Josh Gordon on opposite sides, it would just be a very different looking Patriots team. And I think, you know, his status is something that absolutely could be a a factor in the AFC race in general. We brought up Brian Baldinger a couple of minutes ago. I'd be curious to hear from a Baldy type, um, how much Josh rode, uh, how much uh, Josh Gordon's skills have eroded, if at all, in the last five years over the stops and starts of a career that's been dotted by substance abuse issues? Is he still a guy that you can get excited about as a guy that works on the outside he, and makes plays? I know a, he's had moments. 
he was a top 15 receiver in terms of yards uh, for the stretch really after he kind of picked up the playbook until he was gone. I thought he was a really solid – he isn't the same Josh Gordon – but he's an above an above average starter for sure. I don't worry about the physical side because even when he came back for you know very quick periods with the Browns, he was dominant. But it's it's the idea that he's had multiple you know periods where he's been away in Exodus for a year plus, uh, eight nine months. So here's another one of those periods. You get him back, he signs that he signed all this stuff. He starts to play. I don't. I feel like week to week he's a proposition. Yeah, I mean, what what about it? What about on. it? This time has changed because he's already put out that letter a couple times saying I've comprehensively changed the person. We, I think he, we, at this point, we just all want that to be true of him. But why would the Patriots find him to be reliable when they seem to want reliable players more than any other trait? Yeah, on they that can't. Roster? They can't totally count on him, and I think that's maybe one reason they drafted. Nikhil Harry, though I think they would have anyways, but he just changes the dynamic of that offense if he's well, there. He's one of those guys, to Mark's point, like even if he played in the AFC Championship game, you couldn't count on him for the Super Bowl. Exactly. That's fair. I'll go next. Um, on the topic of wide receivers with troubles off the field, uh, how will this Tyreek Hill situation get resolved? And um, is there any scenario where the Chiefs keep Hill I know they told him to stay away from the team, but that's a lot different than cutting the cord. Um, if they do, even if they do, and he's on the roster in 2019, is there any scenario where Tyreek Hill plays? Is he going to be on the exempt list, uh, commissioner exempt list regardless, or does he somehow, you know, dodge that? Um, and, you know, the latest, of course, on Hill uh, is that the criminal case against Hill and his fiance. Uh, for alleged child abuse was reopened following the release of that audio on the first night of the draft. And Hill's representation issued a, quote, detailed denial to the NFL on the child abuse accusation. The tape, of course, was incredibly damning. So there's all that to play out. But I'm just curious, you know, how this gets resolved. The Chiefs drafted a wide receiver in the second round. Um, It indicates that they are at least preparing for life after Tyreek Hill. But is that how this actually ends up. I think we all have our opinions, what we think about Tyreek Hill after all these things that have come out. Uh, but how does how do the Chiefs go about, what is the future of Hill? That's still very much up in the air. That's a good question. We saw how his agent came out, was pretty aggressive in his denials and kind of obfuscation of what's really going on. And maybe if if he didn't have this history, there'd be some benefit of the doubt, but I can't imagine that he gets any benefit of the doubt. Well, it sounds like, I think just the takeaway from that is that the Tyreek Hill side is going to legally um, fight this. And Mike Garofolo reported last week, you know, they, were, they weren't expecting any NFL action uh, to take place last week. I don't know if that, to me, that just seems like it, right now it's indefinite. But to answer your question, Dan, I think the answer almost has to be yes, there's a scenario or else he wouldn't be on the roster. Like if they, you know, if if until they cut him, I will believe there's a scenario because they have to be thinking there's a scenario that that's possible or else they'd cut him. That's why I said, right? Stay away. The wording, you know, the wording, you have to look at the wording in the statement that was released by Brett Veach on that Thursday night. He said for the foreseeable future, he is not going to be connected to any Chiefs activities whatsoever. But there was no, we don't condone these allegations, you know, this behavior. We are cutting ties. They're leaving the door open. And it also got me thinking, 
Um, Hill, again, when we talk about this, one of the best wide receivers in all of football. Um, and so he's not just an important player. He's a vital player to an AFC contender. And I know people want to say, oh, that's not going to matter. But you wonder what's going on behind closed door at Kansas City. Um, and if this is if this goes to the point where Tyreek Hill's career is over um, at age 25, I'm trying to think if there's if there's ever been anything. I know, you know, Ray Rice, but Ray Rice was coming near the end of the line. Greg Hardy is a guy that, of course, was a, a prime kind of sack master uh, when his domestic violence issues, in effect, ended his career. Um, this is kind of uncharted territory in the modern NFL, a guy of this star level disappearing. I wonder if it actually happens. It's a good question. There's a guy named Lance Renzel who played for the Cowboys and Vikings in the late 60s and early 70s, and um, I would encourage people to Google his name. He had some very interesting um, off-the-field issues that hmm. pretty much ruined his career. Um, all right. Uh, Mark, close us up. Let's do it. <laughs> I know Wes will not like this. Bring but you I, in for the save, Mark. Well, I don't know if I can. I have not participated on the softball team and not played any version of baseball <laughs> or softball in two-plus decades, so maybe a bad idea. I am focused on – I feel like Joe Flacco – I get it. We all, Wes loves him as, as soaring through the season. They drafted a tight end, and it's perfect for Joe Flacco. But a good tight end is perfect for any quarterback. So that is not exclusive to Joe Flacco. And the Broncos, who have, John Elway has largely botched the search for a quarterback almost entirely outside of Joe Flacco. So there's reason to think Flacco could just be positioned in and roll. But you took Drew Locke, and here's the issue I have with just simply sitting him all year. You, If Drew Locke is not the answer, you can also say that Joe Flacco is not the long-term answer. And you are coming into a draft in next year where people look at that as what this was not, that there are some... We'll see how it shakes out. But Justin Herbert, the screw-up for Tua guy, I mean, you could roll into next year's draft as the Broncos, finally as John Elway is having the dude if your team is not quite there. So do you have to find a way to, if True Lock thrives in the summer camps, in, off season, in, the, in the training camp, and into the preseason, does it put Joe Flacco again on a short shelf life if he is not anything but pristine? I don't know how you don't take a look at this guy with many more options at quarterback next year because Drew Locke also is not seen as necessarily the next dude. So you're not going to just say we're comfortable with him for the next half decade and then be the John Elway that misses and totally whiffs on someone much better next April. So Elway likes Flacco enough that there was no discussion of taking a quarterback in the first round. He wasn't going to take a quarterback at that spot. But he doesn't like him enough to bypass the opportunity to draft Drew Locke in the second round. I think he did not like any of the quarterbacks in this draft enough. Yes, absolutely. And he had. He, I think he said, "Listen, if for some reason Joe Flacco turned this was great and turned this team into a into position, we're not going to be able to draft a quarterback next year. Take a swing on someone. Drew Locke was not anyone's number one dude, but there are some people that really like him. So there's a reason to take a shot." But I just think it's trying to figure out – it's almost like the Dolphins from a different angle where you your quarterback investment could be happening right now with what you did with, with Rosen. But it's very acceptable in Miami if Drew Rosen is not what they want that they go out and draft someone else. I view Joe Flacco as someone that 
is a one-year solution, even from a money angle. They can get out from underneath that contract if anyone else pops up. And if John, if John Elway is trying to tell Broncos fans, we are centering this team around a latter stages Joe Flacco <laughs> for the ongoing future. I, he has his fans, and I get it. He's better than what they've had. That is a tough sell to me if I'm a Broncos fan. He has the future in his own hands, and that's happened twice in his career. Once he won the Super Bowl, and once he lost his job to Lamar Jackson. I think we're going to see Drew Locke this year, but that's a good. You bring, you bring up a good. I'm point, just wondering Mark. how soon do you they, wait till week yeah. 15? Well, the summer. You're right. The summer does matter for these young quarterbacks a lot. The summer is going to matter for Josh Rosen. It's going to matter for Drew Locke. Those are kind of the players to watch in August. Are are the young guys? But there's not a scenario where Drew Locke beats out Joe Flacco for the job week one. Do you, do you think so? I think any scenarios, I am, I am over trying to say that a young quarterback will not be put on the field. It would be surprising. It would be shocking, but it, I don't think it's, it's, it's totally out of the think realm. Joe Flacco it would, would have be, to get it hurt. would be bad team, team building because of what they went and did with Joe Flacco. So from that angle, I'm with Wes that he's got that. But do I think that there'd be a big problem if the, if the Broncos just laid a gigantic fart out of the gate and went one and four, what is the patience with Joe Flacco at that point when you have sure. a young, I don't, back to look at. I don't think he can survive one and four. I think we all are in agreement on that because if, if the Broncos are scuffling along and Flacco does not look like the guy Elway thought he was getting, you probably want to see the young kid to, in the in the mean, in the short term try to save the season. And it also has the long term effect of getting a look at this guy with a big draft class coming up. What would be really tricky for the Broncos is if, if Flacco doesn't work out or gets hurt, Locke is okay he flashes maybe a little maybe like somewhere between Rosen and Darnold this past year where he has some moments but also has some lowlights um then what does Elway do if he has a hide pick next uh April but we got plenty of time to talk about what could go wrong uh do we want to do like a real quick one real quick just throw one out there and then say goodbye I'll throw a real quick one out there I just want to keep an eye out on Cam Newton parenthetical shoulder Carson Wentz parenthetical back both guys rehabbing Newton is very confident Wentz the last time we heard was still working his way back those guys are healthy in themselves those teams are division winners potentially and playoff teams Uh, if not especially in Philly they don't have Nick Foles there anymore those teams are sunk I'll give you a quick one we don't know who's still who's on hard knocks and we were just at lunch and usually we know by now that that announcement often has been made in this zone and it to me, I would love to see it be. I look back last year, how much you can learn from Hard Knocks when it's done well. When we saw Hugh Jackson battling with his staff, and you just sensed something was. We already knew something was not right, but there were prime examples to look at. I would love to see the Raiders. I'd love to see Gruden and Mayock. There was like Albert Beer put out a big thing from Mayock today, how he he gets along better with Gruden than people ever would perceive, according to Mayock, and they lean on each other. I would like to see that. I thought you throw in a little Mark Davis spice and Antonio Brown. That to me is why I would watch Hard Knocks versus if they throw it to the Tennessee Titans or some other team that's going to make God, me no. take a long. Nap. I do wonder if the Don't Browns speak it into the air. If if the Browns were. Uh, another reason for these teams to say, I don't want to do that. Look what happened with the Browns. Like that, that yeah. was sort of when all these, you know, coaches are very fearful of our knocks. Like that's what they're afraid of is what happened to you. Wes. Uh, we've got the last wave or maybe last violent wretches of free agency coming up <laughs> Right. Uh, later this week. The death rattle of free agency. The death rattle when you no longer have to pay 
via compensation picks for signing free agents. So teams are waiting for some of these guys who have a lot of snaps played over the last few years but are not seen as difference makers. So some guys are about to be signed. And, and specifically, what does that tell us about the Miami Dolphins? A team that nobody's sure if they're organically tanking or not, but some of the positions on their roster, say offensive line, they don't even have starters. They don't even have backups. Like who, who's going to – are they really tanking or are they going to go get some of these They're supposedly interested in Nick Perry, which would be – Stick to the plan, boys. <laughs> I think they would. There's some decent players. I mean, there were two guys in the top 15 of our free agents still out there, Ndamukong Sue and Ziggy Anza. Mm, Greg, close it out. I, no, I was – I just doubling on your Cam Newton point. To me, that's that's the number one story because coming off of a shoulder surgery, like he he wants to play it a little more cautiously this time instead of rushing back like he did last time, which did not work mm. too well. So I don't know. I don't. I never believe the sunny early prognoses of these recoveries from shoulder surgery. And for Newton, it did turn out to. Bite then, you know, time. it was reported after. The, oh, it was more minor than they anticipated. Well, we'll see. Right. No shoulder surgery is minor. Am I right, Mark? <laughs> Dead on. Very correct. Uh, all right. I mean, I got a tetanus shot, and that wasn't even minor. When? <laughs> got to, like, you when? know. I mean, it was, but not to you. It's like, it's like a, it, you know, it was like a dull pain for a couple of days. You, get, you know, it's pretty minor. Well, they warn about minor. Yeah, they warn about no, the dull pain. I'm joking. It's a, I'm joking. Wait, uh, you really got a tetanus shot? Yeah, recently. For what? They were like, oh, you haven't had a doctor's appointment in 15 years. Uh, we recommend it every 10 years. So uh, I thought you, you only need one. that if you step you on a rusty booster. nail. You want or the get booster. A, so you got the works. You said, I said, hey, it's up to you. What do you think? You know, hey, give me the works. Knock out. I don't know. Haven't had tetanus yet. I smell a raccoon attack that you're hiding from us. That no, I was out. just there. And Hidden yeah, musical said, tapes, raccoon today. issues. <laughs> All right, we'll be back Wednesday. It's a three-show week. The Around the NFL podcast keeps rolling. Um, that's it from here. Let's go. Stan Hansen signing off for Quiet Storm, the mailman, the old boss, and Ricky Hollywood behind the glass. Till Wednesday. I feel like it actually would fit in well with working classes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We, when I was a mailman, all we did was go out dancing and hanging out in mosh pits and throwing people around. You slam danced? Oh, I did, yeah. <laughs> you go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower... 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.